There's Tori. We can start now. Um, we're going to be working mainly out of John 16 today. If you have Bibles and you'd like to turn there. Um, a lot of our people from Day Spring here are traveling this week um, for the holidays, I'm assuming. Um, we have lots of visitors, which is a great thing. Love having visitors. Uh, a little hard today um, in the topic, uh, in the nature of the topic, because we are going to be continuing this idea of the dwelling place that we've been um, building on now for weeks and months, actually. Um, these various ideas around the dwelling place. But, uh, you know, sometimes I say some, some wild things, and then I just trust that you guys will, um, if you... Um, know me and I don't back up wild things I say. Some of you know that I'll eventually get there or you can ask me later and I can explain it more thoroughly. But we have a lot of visitors today, so good luck. <laughs> um, now, that being said, is I, 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 you know, if I throw something out that, and I don't, I don't clarify it enough, um, please feel free to reach out and we'll talk we'll over the phone or we'll go out for coffee or lunch or dinner. And we'll work through it all. It's a fun thing. Amen. There's nothing uh, to me more exciting in this life than living in the iron sharpens iron reality. And sometimes just being, uh, I love for people to ask questions because it not only gives me a chance to clarify things, but it also sharpens and helps me hone in my language to say it clearer and clearer each time. Amen. All right. Before we get to John. 16. I'm going to start off with this one verse, and we're not going to break this down. We're not even. We're not going to do much other than read it, just to make some, to bring our focus to a couple things. In Matthew 12, Jesus says, "It's in context to him um, casting out demons and people being healed." And then the the local uh, Pharisees, the religious company at that time, they they began to accuse him of he must be working with Satan or Beelzebub. Um, that's how he's commanding these evil spirits to go. He must be their ruler. And Jesus goes on to explain, no, no a house divided against itself cannot stand. And, and then he gives them this warning. Um, I just don't, I, I'm not as much worried about the context of where this is found today, but more just the, the warning itself. <clears throat> Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whatever, uh, I'm sorry, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the coming one. Um, a couple of really important things here that I like to point out um, just as using this verse as a jumping point. The most important thing in this verse, I believe, is the significance of recognizing, knowing, responding to the Holy Spirit. Now, in this particular verse, they were, they were saying, oh, what he's doing must be the devil. So he says, well, if you're speaking words against this Holy Spirit that I'm operating in, then you're blaspheming him, and that's unforgivable. Um, but I would go one step further and say, based on the other context of most other scriptures, it's all about your life, not just your words. It's your everything has to be um, in a in a agreement with what Jesus is saying through the Holy Spirit. Now, the most uh, which brings a really really acute focus on how important that Holy Spirit thing really is in our life on this earth with the Lord. I really uh, just. 
to bring it into focus of how important he precedes it with the statement that you could even blaspheme the Son of Man. You could blaspheme Jesus. You could say um, that would mean blasphemy is really, you know, defined as uh, aggressive or slanderous. You could say wrong things about the Son of Man, and he's saying, I have the ability to forgive you of that. Now, by most of our modern Christendom thinking, like you only got to get one thing right, and that's say the right word, Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But he's saying, you could even say that all kinds of wrong, and I could forgive you, but I can't forgive you if you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. At least that's what this verse appears to be saying. Yeah? Now, at the end of this verse, he says, um, he says, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the coming one. Here's the landmine I'm going to present today for for this sake of this conversation that we're not going to fully unpack. But um, the man Jesus who lived in the flesh, he was the word of God. He was all things that like the word of God fully manifested in a human form. That was Jesus. Now, he came and lived on this earth for 33 years and he and he started. A, a revolution, if you will. He started uh, what we know as the New Covenant. But the, um, the, the theological kind of tricky part here is that he, the man Jesus, is actually closing out the former covenant and the Holy Spirit Jesus starts the new one. That's a sounds radical. It's a big distinction. Um, Jesus came, as he said, what did he came to do? Fulfill the law. He came to be the perfect manifestation of all that was the word of God, the law of the earth. He came to manifest and be the perfect example of it, and he effectively fulfilled it. He became the perfect sacrifice. He became the the perfect witness. He became the perfect prophet. He became the total fulfillment of all of the covenants of God. Now, as we've discussed before, the covenants never nullify each other. They just stack on top of each other. Now, the failing of the covenant that he was in, well, most of the covenants that God made, except for the Noah covenant, the Noahic covenant, all the covenants were God saying, I will do this, if you do this, the Noahic covenant is the only one where he says, I will never do this again. And there's no contingencies. Everything else is a, it's an agreement between God and his people. And when we get to the Mosaic covenant, he had made this agreement that, yes, we have the covenant of faith and all this other stuff. But the Mosaic covenant says, this is how I want you to live. If you do this, I will be your God and this will happen. People had failed radically in their partnership with this covenant. Jesus came to fulfill that co- the requirements of that covenant and um, effectively uh, take the power from Satan. Because here's, Satan is like an accuser of the brethren, we call him. And so now that this um, kind of this expectation of what God wanted us to be on this earth, the law was there, and man's failed partnership had gone into full swing, the, the accuser of the brethren, Satan, could have really just wreak havoc on the people of the earth. He could really hold it against them because they were really just couldn't seem to get their act together in the current state that they were in. Jesus came and fulfilled all of that. And effectively, um, the, the, the covenant came through Moses, but Moses wasn't the king of it. Moses couldn't be the king of it because he himself had broken uh, some of it. 
He himself had, had, had misstepped many places. Um, but Jesus became the king of all the covenants as the perfect one and then instituted a new covenant in the Holy Spirit that we, that we all call the new covenant. Amen? Uh, and so, that's to say, he's speaking of in this age or the age to come, whether you get all the T's crossed and the I's dotted on who exactly Jesus was and all that, he's saying, I, I, I can work with you on that. But if you will not respond to the Holy Spirit, well, then we have trouble because that is the new covenant. And if you can't make it in the new covenant, you were never going to make it in any other covenant there is because this one is chalked full of grace, which is God's supernatural empowerment to just be what the word of God says you are to be. Amen. And so we get to John 14, which is where this topic of the dwelling place, this is our launching point of the dwelling place. And it says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And we showed that most of your Bibles, if it has an addendum or whatever, it'll say that the literal translation was dwelling place. And it's probably a far more accurate um, idea than mansions, because we just like big stuff in America. But um, dwelling places, which would have been, the as uh, I'll just recap for our guests, that the breakdown of that actual word, it steps down a few times and it gets back to the abode, but more importantly, the context of it was the, the place that the priest would dwell in. And so it was literally at that time a word that was used for a house that was specially made for the priest to dwell in. And now in this, Jesus is closing out his, um, his days on earth and he's making these, these big conversations with these big promises. And in that, he starts off with, you will become the house where the priest can dwell. And that is a just mind-blowing big concept to really stop and think about the fact that we no longer, um, even though in a lot of our Christian expressions, we, we, we set the, the bar, the gold standard, if you will, at showing up at a room, a meeting, that we would feel the Holy Spirit in the room. And that's amazing. And that's awesome. And everybody should aspire to be in a church where the Holy Spirit himself likes to attend. You're not at the right church if he doesn't like to attend your church. But that wasn't the goal set before us. The goal set before us wasn't to be in a room where other people could get him there. The goal set before us was to become a place that he could live, a dwelling place. Amen? And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Yes? So in this picture, I just wanted to recap on how we started on this dwelling place. And I wanted to um, also make a real, bring our little bit of focus to this is how he receives you to himself. He's not, um, so we think of us as receiving Jesus in our hearts. But he presents it as this is how he, this is where he will live. We're going to read some, some conditions and things in just a second here, but he will make us a dwelling place if we will have it where he can live. And this is how he receives us to himself. We think of we accept Jesus and, and we find God and we accept Jesus and we make a lot of self-focus. But this is all about Jesus making a way to get us. Yes? Okay. So as we read, uh, as we read these, just the, we call I call John thirteen through seventeen. It's like the Super Bowl of the Gospels, and and so as we read uh, in John, especially, um, he often uses the word Paracletus as to describe the Holy Spirit. Now your Bible never says Paracletus in your translations. It always says at, at the bottom there, Advocate, Helper, Comforter, or Intercessor. In some cases. Um, 
if you have a, a if you have a way to use a digital Bible, you can probably touch it. And it'll tell you the exact word was Paracletus every time. I'm not making that up. There was one word that was used every time, but we use these other terms like advocate, helper, in, um, uh, intercessor, comforter. We use these other terms. They're more like adjectives of what he was, descriptors of what he was, but that's not what that word is. That word literally breaks down into two parts, para and cletus. Uh, para means beside, like parallel, like two lines parallel each other. They go side by side. They never vary. They go side by side perfectly forever. Parallel, para, beside, cletus is to call. We would say that backwards in our language, to call beside. Now, many of us, just like we think we find Jesus and we accept Jesus and we walk with Jesus, we, we make everything about us. So when many people even think about the concept of the paracletus, they think he comes beside us. But I, uh, I think it makes a lot more sense to view the paracletus as Jesus' paracletus. It came beside him. <clears throat> it parallels him. We're going to show that in just a second here, a little more scriptural. But it's helpful when you read these passages to think that he's talking about something that would parallel him. The reason this is super important to, to kind of get your head wrapped around is... Uh, as Jesus gives himself up to be the ultimate atonement, the final sacrifice of that former covenant, as he gives himself up to do all that, he gets seated in the throne room of heaven. He becomes the king of all things. All things that, are, that were uh, under the Father's control are then bestowed to this new king. He now sits on a throne and he will stay on a throne forever. He has to be there. This new covenant deal that we got, which is a great deal, he gets to come and be in us forever, if we will have it, because he has a Holy Spirit, Paracletus, that goes, that, that can leave the throne, but says what he says, that wants to, that accomplishes what he wants to accomplish, that advocates for us when we need advocating, that intercedes for us when we need intercession. See, these other words, they, they make sense, but that's not the word. I think it's helpful to understand the idea of the word first before you get into what he can do. Comforter, as we've discussed before, is not like being comfortable in a down blanket and a fluffy pillow. It's, it's more of a Latin translation issue of that originated as um, come fortify us. Like you would find rest and security in a fortified place, come fortify us. Like he would fortify you in a time of trouble. All these descriptive words, they kind of... They kind of help you understand what he can accomplish, but not what exactly is going on. He is the perfect parallel of Jesus. It's just a different form of him. The one Jesus sits on the throne and does is in charge of all things. The parallel of Jesus comes to us, ministers to us, protects us, brings the grace from Jesus, can only say what Jesus is saying, cannot say anything other than that, cannot do anything other than what Jesus would do. And it says in another place, which we'll probably read next week, that even when we pray, if we pray wrong, he won't take it to Jesus. That's how good of a deal this thing is. It's a powerful idea that the Holy Spirit parallels Jesus and gets to be with us all the time, if we will have it. Now, that's why I think it's super important to just wrap our heads around who the Holy Spirit really is on this earth, what he's actually trying to accomplish. Now, in some realms, they, they kind of, I think it's largely because of some of these descriptive terms that we think of more than the actual word itself. But there's, lots, there's a couple reasons how we got there. It doesn't really matter. But some 
denominational realms. They pray to the Holy Spirit like He's His own entity. He He's a different form than Jesus, but it's kind of... I'm not saying if you just... if you, When you're praying, you say something about the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that's wrong. Jesus said He covers a lot of mistakes in our verbiage. But what I'm saying is you have to understand that He is nothing apart from Jesus. When He prays, when you pray... He is taking it to Jesus, and the word from Jesus comes back through him. He doesn't speak on his own accord. We're going to read that in a minute. It's, it's not like you're asking the Holy Spirit's permission as if you didn't like Jesus' answer and you'll get a different one. You're always praying to Jesus. You're always communicating to, well, most importantly, the guy who sits on the throne of all things. Like That's really important to recognize and remember who our king is. When we talk about honoring and responding to the Holy Spirit, it's not a separate entity. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one. We believe in one God that has three parts of nature, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Is, there's these, we don't, that's too long. We won't do that. But Everybody good so far? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the Paracletus. So whenever we read any of these words, as we read these passages, think about it's the parallel to Jesus sitting on the throne, but it's the one who comes to us. Amen? Amen. All right. John 14, 15. We're going to drop down. We're going to double down just one more time on this dwelling place idea. If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray. This is Jesus. I will pray the Father and he will give you another paracletus. He, uh, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Starting from the bottom going up. He is about to leave them. Everything that they knew and thought they were giving their lives up to follow is about to leave them and they're about to feel very abandoned, very orphaned. He's just, he's kind of covering his bases. He knows what's coming next. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, yeah, he comes back in Acts 1, kind of you know, gives him another pep talk for his sins, but I don't think he was talking about Acts 1. I think he's talking about Acts 2. I think he's talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden they knew what they needed to know. They knew what to say, how to do it. That it he was coming back to never leave them orphans. That's a good promise, right? Amen. Amen. He's the spirit of truth. He will abide with you forever. He'll dwell within you. He'll cover so many of our problems. And this sounds like a, this deal's getting better and better and better. But then you start to think to yourself, why are so many people doing so bad in this deal? Why does it seem like so many people who seem to, you know, check a lot of these boxes and they believe in Jesus and they do this and they go to church and they're, but they're, you know, just not going well for them? Well, it's the beginning of this verse. It's kind of part of that covenantial deal stuff. If you love Jesus, you'll keep his commandments and he will pray that the Paracletus will come, not leave you in that orphan state. Arguably, Yes, I believe that uh, uh, grace and, and salvation, it, it's just, it's, it's free in a sense. Because, it, yeah, if it was contingent on us being good people, none of us would get it. But becoming the dwelling place, it's not exactly unconditional. You're not going to be murdering and adultering and, and blaspheming and drinking and boozing and gambling and doing all that 
and being this walking manifestation of the Holy Spirit, name one person you've ever seen do that well. So let's get back to what Scripture's saying. This idea that we, if you love Him, you keep His commandments, He'll be with you. It's repeated multiple, multiple, multiple times. Now, John repeats it more than anybody in his gospel. It's very true. Um, in the history of Bible stuff, there's our, as anything on earth that's 2,000 years old, there's some discrepancies, or not discrepancies, disputes of timelines. So some people put the timelines as the Gospels all got written pretty close together. Some people put the timelines as the Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written close together and John came much later. Now, let's just for the sake of the argument today say that that was the true one. John's came much later. It would make sense why his is a little bit different than the rest of them. It's not just that he knows Jesus and he's the John the Beloved. It's that he saw what people's misunderstanding of the other ones was producing. And so he gives the same story with a different focus. He gives the same story with a different focus. And when you go back and read the Gospels with that kind of one idea in mind, it starts to kind of come to light. He's bringing this focus to love and loving God and loving His ways and His truth and just following Him with all your heart and that He would fully fill us up with Himself in this new covenant deal. It's amazing. Amen? Amen? So if we don't want to be orphans and we want to be this dwelling place that we've been speaking of and we want this spirit of truth, spirit of truth, okay, when we get into following the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, do you have to be a, a scholar of the law to know what's right and what's wrong? No. According to this new covenant, He'll tell us what's right and what's wrong. He'll lead us into all things that are good if we respond to Him. And then, so then the question becomes real quickly in this pastoring game of how do you tell people who think God's leading them in their hearts to do wicked things that that's not God? Well, easy peasy. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Word of God is the immutable Word of truth. He cannot lead us into things that aren't clearly written and showed and exampled in the Bible. He will never overrule his own self. He will just lead us into himself. Amen? All right. I promise we'd get to John 16, and there it is. John 16, verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus now. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the paracletus will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, if you had given up your entire life to follow the man Jesus, and all you knew was like hundreds and hundreds of years of, of man's failed attempt at living in the Mosaic Covenant, it, that's all you knew and all of a sudden this perfect manifestation shows up and he can heal people and cast out demons and he can walk on water and calm the storms and, and he just knows all things and he, he's just like, he's perfect in every way, shape and form and he's walking, he's chosen them out of a, and then endless options of people. He chose these guys and these guys are like, man, I don't know how I got so special but here I am and this is great. And then he's like, all right guys, I'm about to leave. Like, what? What's that all about? And he's like, it's better for you that I go. Now, this is a real hard concept to grab a hold to, that it's better for them that he goes because if he goes, he can send the paracletus. Now, most people, unless they've 
thought this through a little bit. They really think, man, I wish I could just go back and meet the man Jesus. Now, I'm sure that would be a glorious thing. I wish I could walk in the days of Jesus. I'm sure it would be awesome. I don't want to take anything away from that being an option. And, you know, in case there is an option, I'll take it, God. But Jesus himself, even later on, says, man, blessed are those who believe in all this and don't, didn't even know me, who didn't see me. There's a, there's a magic to just knowing him in the form of the paracletus and not living in the day of his manifestation. There's a, there's a glorious, like, there's a, just such an awesome mystery to life. You want to be the saddest place in life ever is, is, is go to the place where there's, there's, no, there's nothing left to, to surprise you, at least in your mind. That's a sad place to be. But when you live in life with the Lord, it's like, man, every day, it's just, it's this wild journey of living with this Holy Spirit leading you. And you're like, it's not just some random ghost weird thing that we don't like to talk about in other churches. It's, it's like it's Jesus himself leading us. And the question becomes real quickly is, will you respond to him? Will you be led by Jesus? Because just like when he was on this earth, it was a tiny fraction of people who actually just went where he went and did what he did and and just followed him in like to the to the nth degree was willing to die for him would live with him would starve with him would would rule and reign or or suffer and die they were willing to go to the ends of the earth with him and that was a tiny fraction of people and that was the man Jesus now we get this holy spirit Jesus and and, and most people would say in any christian realm yes i'll do that Yes, I'll do that. But in many cases, they're thinking, um, he's going to give me these wise words and I'm going to preach these great sermons and the whole world's going to know that I know God because I'm so good at this. And, and there's a little bit of fame and glory and fortune mixed into that dream. And that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, when you get out of your car at the store and you see that somebody let a cart go down the hill and just wreck itself at the bottom, he, and he says, why don't you get that cart? He's saying, will you go get that cart? Will you, Nate, will you go do what he's telling you to do even when you don't understand what he's telling you to do? Will you help the old lady come through the door or get her groceries up? Or, or will you go to your neighbor who is, let's say for the sake of this idea, an awful person. But when God says, go help them, go be with them, go share a kind word or whatever, will you do that because that is the Lord in you telling you how to be like him? And that is kind of becomes the rub. We, in, in modern Christendom, we want to make it about checking some boxes. And I don't care who you are or which denomination you're from or in or, or living in. It's a box-checking system in a lot of people's minds and hearts. It's a box-checking system. It, they'll have, and it's not about just following the Holy Spirit. They'll have boxes where they say, I go to church. Check. If they don't like checking that box, they'll make another box that says, I don't have to go to church. I know Jesus. And they don't just check that one. They'll say, I participate, check. Or they'll say, you know, I participate, not like everybody else, but like I show up, check. They just, it's a box checking system. And the danger is, as we have the ability as these creative humans that we are to, if we can't check the first box, we'll just make another box to check and still feel good about it. That's the danger of the box checking religious system. And next thing you know, that system starts to create its own hierarchy. And then those who check the first box say they don't check the first box. And those who check the second box say, well, they think they're better than me because they checked the first. And it's just this religious hierarchy of, of, of judgment and, and it's no spirit in it. 
Jesus didn't seem to care too much about engaging the religious system and fixing it. He wanted to fill everyone, religious system or not. He wanted to fill their hearts so he could just be their God. He wanted to be their God and lead them, and lead them well, and lead them into a world where they got to be, even if they were sheep amongst wolves, could be the glowing lights, could be kindness in motion, could be could respond to him. Yeah, he gave us some other promises too that were pretty fun with this whole Paracletus thing. He said, yeah, in that day, you will speak in tongues. You will pray for the sick and they will be healed. You'll take up servants, serpents sometimes, hopefully by accident only, and they won't kill you. You'll, they'll have dreams and visions and prophecies. And, and he, he said all these things that, 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 yeah, that's all coming with it. But it's not all about prophecy or praying for the sick. It's about, will you just be led by him? Will you wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? Today I'm going to be the best whatever you do. I'm going to be the best stay-at-home mom I can be. I'm going to be happy that I live this life. I'm going to be the best lighting expert at Liberty that there ever was. And I'm going to be happy about my job. I'm going to be the best whatever it is. I'm going to be that with Jesus. Me and Jesus are going to go do this today. And, and then you get into these, these scenarios where you're just like, yeah, if I have the choice, and this is a hard one, but if you get far enough into this living with this Paracletus Holy Spirit thing, you'll get to this place where you're like, yeah, if I had to choose between Jesus manifested and one place and one at one place at a time on earth as himself, or we get to each have him in our hearts, yeah, he's right. It is to our advantage. It is better for us in this new covenant deal. Now, like every other covenant, there's a there's a God says, I will do this when you do this. And so everything, yes, it is free. It is there for the taking. It doesn't matter how awful you are. I was pretty awful when I finally gave my life to the Lord for reals. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve him, but he wanted me anyway. Just like he wanted each and every one of you and everybody who you're worried about. Everybody who you're scared that if you don't fix them, nobody's going to fix them. He wants them to be saved more than you do. I'm not saying don't do your part in leading people to the Lord, but I'm saying he really, really wants to fix this world by being with them. And he'll do it at all costs. As we started, he doesn't even care if they get all the verbiage right. As long as they're willing to respond to him, almost everybody, even circles where they're full one cessationists, don't believe the Holy Spirit's on the earth anymore. If you ask every one of them how they came to the Lord, they'll say, well, you know, I was... You know, I was unsaved and living life, and I just felt like God was tugging on my heart. Well, guess what, guys? I don't care what your verbiage is. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Lord leading you. Yeah, he's tugging on your heart. He's pushing you. He's pushing you. He's putting people in your life. He was, he was lining things up. He was bringing conviction in your heart that you kind of knew right from wrong on some level. Maybe you didn't have the right verbiage, but you kind of knew. And that's, it's just how far he's willing to go even before we are awesome. He will just go out of his way. So then when you think about how far he went to get some of us, some of you may have been lucky enough to be born into an awesome Christian family, but when you think about how far he went to get you, well then think about how far he'll go to get everyone else. So then when he tells you, hey, why don't you give up the good parking spot to that other person? You're like, God, they look perfectly fine. They can walk from the back like everybody is. Hello? God didn't ask you to, to reason with him. He just put on your heart to give up your parking spot. He put on your heart to go do this kind of thing. to do Because maybe he's going after them the way he went after some of you before you deserved it. Amen? Amen? 
See, he's got a global plan that's described quite clearly in Revelation 21 and so on that he's going to cover this earth in the glory of saints who know him, who love him, who are governed by him. They're going to cover this earth on all continents. The cities are going to light up and glow. It's this amazing prophecy of what this whole thing looks like in the end. And it only takes you saying yes every day of your life. Amen? What will that cost you? What do you got to lose? So far, I've only said things that cost you absolutely nothing. Walk across the parking lot a little further. Pick up some trash. Help an old lady through the door. What about when he tells you to be nicer to your spouse when they're not being cool at all? What about when he tells you to go be kind to your parents when they haven't been good parents your whole life? What about when he, what about when he tells you to, to go serve and honor your boss who's an awful boss? He's got big plans. And if you're not fully aware of who we are worshiping, we're worshiping a God who was willing to give His perfect Son so that you had the opportunity to know Him and follow Him. So if He's willing to give His perfect Son, I'm sure He's willing to let you take fall on the sword a little bit at work, if you know what I'm saying. Amen? Amen. I thought that was going to be more funny than it was, but <laughs> you get the idea. It's to our advantage that he goes so that he can be with us, but we have to say yes. In the earlier verse we read that if you want him to be in the dwelling place, you keep his commandments. You love him, you keep his commandments, and then he'll pray that we get this thing. If we want to love him and keep his commandments, what does that look like? Do we need to go back to Deuteronomy? Might be helpful. More importantly, just go to what Jesus said. Love your neighbor like yourself. That kind of... All of the law, all of the prophets, everything you've ever learned from those things hangs on that one idea. If you put everybody, loving everybody else, in front of your own selfish desires, you will fulfill the law and the prophets. You don't have to be having mystical visions and great prophecies of the next president to come. You don't have to do all that. But you've got to love everybody. And then he will be with us. Yes? And that's how we love everybody, because he is with us. Yes? Even in places that have never been preached Jesus, they know, kind of know instinctually. We shouldn't probably kill each other. He's leading us all the time, even according to most everyone in every denomination's testimony. He called me to him. Now, the saddest thing that will happen, ever happen is if that's the end of your testimony with him leading you. He doesn't stop there. He won't. He cares about what, where you go to work, how you go to work, what you, what you do, it, how you interact. He'll tell you to stop at a different gas station a day than you normally go to. He's got plans, and maybe he lets you in on them. Maybe he doesn't. But you have to be led by the Spirit. Yes. This one is a little. Maybe not unpack this one completely. And when he, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment of sin because they do not believe in me righteousness because they go to the father and you see me no more judgment because the ruler of this world is judged remember sin yeah we got some basic highlights don't murder adultery all that stuff but sin is basically being anything other than what god designed you to be the holy spirit is here to convict you not condemn you he's not here to pass judgment on the fact you're not who you're made to be but he is here to let you know and this is not who you are you're not made to be lusting after things you're not supposed to have. You're not made to be envious and jealous. and you're not, that, That's not who you are. That's not who you're made to be. He's here to, to convict us of things. He's here to convict us of we're not living righteously. We're not living according to the Word of God. Yeah, you're not going to see clearly into the heavens and, and, and always have this great interactive relationship. He's already covered that. 
You keep the commandments, he'll pray to God to get the paracletus. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Yeah, you get the idea. John 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. As wild of promises that we find in John 14, 15, and 16, there's this just action-packed, bam, 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 wild, wild promises of God going to be on this earth. Jesus says things like, you will then know that He, Jesus, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and you are with us. There's these wild promises of unity between us and Jesus and the Father through this Paracletus um, partnership, this Holy Spirit partnership. There's these wild, outlandish things, but just because the nature of humans is to take, take things and make them into religious box checking, he left some details out. And we know that because he's, there's many things yet to say, but we're not going to say them now. So there's, some, there's a little bit of, you've got to have the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can have what he says, he will guide you into all truth. He will tell you. He will reveal to you these ideas. He will show you. To you. Like even and We talked about it in Bible study. When you read the passages, even in the Old Testament of the law, when it says that if you have a dangerous ox who's known for, for, for goring people with his horns and, and, and he goes and hurts a neighbor, you're fully responsible for that. And it's a whole thing about if he's done it before, if your fence is poor. There's all these ideas around it. And, and, uh, and, and the human flesh side of you would say, well, I don't have an ox. doesn't mean me. The spirit side of you will say, hey, you know that dog you got that keeps biting everybody? That's that wild ox. You see what I'm saying? He's, that's just my favorite example. But He'll take all truths and preach them to you. Convict your heart to be what God made you to be. A person who loves the world around you. Amen? For he, the Holy Spirit, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is that part I was saying earlier that, yes, when I talk about this, I'm not talking about this. Uh, it's hard to put your finger on it sometimes, but in some denominational realms you get into, they have... Um, I'm, saying, I'm pushing the area to say today, I'm like, hey, you know, you got to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then you go someplace and you're like, hey, have y'all heard about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven? Because it seems like y'all only got this one thing, this Holy Spirit thing that y'all are talking to. And it's kind of a weird imbalance. I'm not trying to make it more complicated than it is. I am trying to say that he doesn't have his own message. He only has the message from Jesus sitting in the throne room. Our great righteous king, our great judge of all things, our great uh, leader. He suffered all things in the flesh just like we will ultimately. So he knows our struggle. He, we don't have a, a king who can't relate to us. He's been here. He's done it. Nothing has changed. The human plight has not evolved much. It's just got new gadgets. Right? And so he knows how to lead us, how to guide us, how to direct us, how to, how to sympathize with us, if you will. But that's Holy Spirit that he's sending to do it. He works for him. Now, 
He's a powerful thing, and I don't want to belittle it. He carries the grace. He carries the word. He actually becomes, as we said, the filter system. We're going to read next week. Uh, we're going to just, I'll give you a head start. We're going to read uh, Romans chapter 8 next week, and we're going to, in the context of the Holy Spirit and the dwelling place ideas, he, he filters us out. He filters us out. The best example I've ever heard is, is, um, is it's like saying, you know, God, I, I pray to you today that you, you give me a million dollars because I know in my heart of hearts you want me to have it and, and I can do good things for your kingdom if you give me the million dollars, bam, right now. And the Holy Spirit says, Jesus, do not give him a million dollars. He cannot handle the pressure. Just trust me on this one. And so he, he, he covers us, even in our, our misguided prayers, it says that when we pray amiss, that they fall flat. There's a bunch of verses around this idea, but he's a filter system for our prayers. And it says that he'll intercede on our behalf. When we, when we pray for the wrong thing, he prays for the right thing. He's a pretty good idea. But there's this has to be this acknowledgement of him. And you acknowledge him by responding to him. Meaning, some people think that when we talk about God speaks to me or God led me, they think the, crowd, the clouds crack open and throne Jesus stands up like he did for Stephen when he was getting stoned. And, and he says, you know, Hey, Crystal, get that cart from across the parking lot and push it back. And that would be so easy to follow. But that would be pretty hard for King Jesus to do that with literally all of us all the time. So he sends this Holy Spirit. So you get out your car and it's just like you just have this weird, sudden idea that I should go do that. And you think to yourself, that's God. And then you think to yourself, when you're not practiced at this, you'll think to yourself, now that's just me being weird. I'm just, I'm making that up. That's not me. I'm going to go back to my business because I don't want to be the weirdo. And then you're going to, then it's got that kind of like, doo -doo 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 -doo. it's like Jesus is like, oh, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And then he'll give up quickly. If you don't want to do it, he'll just, you know, he'll eventually be like, oh, okay, you missed your chance. But you don't want to miss your chance. You want to respond to the Lord. You want to live for the Lord. You want to be kind. You want to be, you want to hold your tongue when it's time to hold your tongue. You want to speak when it's time to speak. You want to be bold before the enemies if you have them. You want to be the light. You want to be exactly what he needs you to be at all times because it's not for their good. It's for yours. It's our joy in life to follow Jesus. But how will we ever follow him if we only have 2,000 year old stories? And that, that sounds like a weird claim to make, but the stories are good. But let's be honest, there's some nuances in our day-to-day -day that we really need that Holy Spirit to lead us, to let us just put on our heart. Like all of a sudden, we feel some compassion for somebody. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to cut these people a deal on this. I'm going I'm to help these people. Whatever it is, you have to respond to Him. You have to be a new covenant people that's willing to recognize that our King Jesus comes in the form of the Holy Spirit leading our hearts. Now, I'm not belittling the Holy Spirit-inspired preaching. I'm not belittling the prophecy, the praying for the sick. I'm not, I'm not belittling any of that. But I am, um, I've been telling now people for years, don't you dare let that be all that a relationship with Jesus is, though. Because He's so much more than a good service. He's so much more than that. He's a kind. He's a loving God. He cares about you. He cares about all things. If you don't think He doesn't care about all things, you're not listening. He does speak to people in different ways. And when I was going home, when I was going home uh, for Thanksgiving this uh, this past week, you know, it's 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 for no purpose whatsoever. 
Like some of this stuff, it's for no grander purpose, I should say. But it's just so you know that he cares about you. We're driving down these back roads to get to where I'm from. And, and, uh, and you're just driving down. The, and there's kind of like this line where you cross this imaginary line where it enters into what I considered my community. And, and the other one is just how I got to my community. You know what I'm saying? But you cross that line. And when I cross that kind of vague imaginary line, the Lord just, you know, the kids are they're talking and cursing. Stuff, everybody's talking. And the Lord speaks to me. He just says, we're home. And I'm like, yeah, we are. I don't, I don't know that I want this to still be my home, God. He's like, no, but this is where we started. It's like he hasn't forgotten where we started. He hasn't forgotten my early years with him and, and how we started and how I said I would, yes, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth, God, and I'll do whatever you say to do. And how we did that every single day. And it was, you know, a very awesome time of being incubated in my early days of the Lord and he hasn't forgotten, even though it wasn't on the top of my mind. Now, that's not for me to necessarily go change the world with, but I tell you what, you never want to lose focus of who you're serving. You're serving a God who bent over backwards to get you. He gave his only begotten son just so you'd have a chance at being picked up by him. Yeah, he's willing to pay some mighty prices and he went some mighty distances to get us there. And he did a great job. I'm going to tell you, um, evangelists, this helped me when I used to do a lot more evangelism than, I, than I've been doing these days. But uh, this was the game changer for me in evangelism. Stop talking to the world around you like they're demons going to hell and start talking to them like they're people who the Holy Spirit is trying his best to get them to come back to him. And they just need that part of them spoken to and awakened. It's a game changer. He is going after everybody. Yes, if you're good at scripture, you can quote me a couple verses where it talks about people's conscience being super seared and, and, and they're just, and Paul says he's turning them over to Satan in hopes that Satan will thrash their flesh so that, um, in hopes that thrashing of their flesh would save their soul. There's some brutal verses in there, but we're talking in a world where they were being persecuted and stoned and martyred and beaten. There's a, like three people mentioned that like, they're like, yeah, they're burnt. Like their conscience is seared and I don't know what's going to save them. And that's kind of been my experience in this world. I've met a lot of people. I've shared with a lot of people. I've spoken to a lot of people with dignity and respect now that I know that God wants them as much as he wanted me. And I've only met maybe one person who I said, yeah, I think that's one of them ones. Out of millions. I'm, a, I'm an extroverted talker. You know what I'm saying? I meet lots of people. That's not even my place to judge that. That's just my perception of that one. What I'm saying is you can boldly assume that everyone, the person who cut you off in traffic, God loves them. I don't mean in a weird way. Like he really, he's working hard to get them. The person who uh, was rude in the store, the person who, he loves them most likely. He is desperately trying to get them and you have a choice every day. Am I going to live a good life where I partner with God in this endeavor to save the world? Or am I going to be, what did we talk about the other week? Offended. Am I going to be offended by somebody who God hasn't fully um, been able to draw into himself and reform yet? Am I going to be offended by them and later have to have some prayer session with somebody to, to extract the offenses from my heart that I took on when I could have just said, you know what, I bet God loves them as much as he loved me. And then the Lord starts to work magic in our life and lead us and guide us. And, and it's, some, it's some funny stuff. What he does, and when the more you respond to it, the more you're like, yeah, I don't really always know what he's doing, but it sure is fun to do it. Yeah? There's some wild things he'll do, and he'll lead your heart if you'll let him. One time, 
I'll just tell the story because we're going to close out. One time, this is just so how, how good he is and how random he is at, at leading you in things. It was seemingly random. Uh, Kirsten's dad would have a series of strokes, lots of strokes. That's not the funny part. But whenever he'd have a stroke, they would call me, and I'd go get him, and I'd take him to the hospital or whatever he needed to have. I'd go find him wherever he was at and get him to the hospital. And they called, and they said, oh, he's having a stroke. It's a bad one. It's a bad one. you got to come get him and, and take him to the hospital. And so I was like, all right, I'm coming now. Protocol, just stop what I'm doing. I go get the stroke, man. And then and I get to the end of my road, uh, <coughs> end of one of my cherry hills, like my road, and uh, if I go left, I can jump on the, the, the main road, the highway, and get there a lot faster than if I go right and take this crookedy gravel mountain road that snakes through a valley and pops out, you know, almost there. It adds like 10, 15 minutes. And I get to the end of the road and I just know with everything in myself that Jesus is like, I can just, in my heart, I can see him standing there and I can see him pointing to go uh, right, like take the mountain road. And I know it's him. I know it's him. And it seems so random. I'm like, God, do you not care that this man is having a stroke? They said, this is the big one. They said, come quick, and you're telling me to take the mountain road all the way over there? Like, God, what are you doing? I said, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord, I can't do that. And I went the fast way. And then I went the fast way, and there was like, obviously, like a tractor trailer had hit some cars or something. I don't know. It was kind of gone, but there was debris and stuff, and you just like, we're all going like 20 miles an hour dodging debris of wrecked vehicles. And it was a mess, and I, I, it was crazy. And then I get there, and I'm like, sorry it took me so long. They're like, oh, he started feeling better, so he got in the shower. I had to wait 15 minutes for that man. To I could have taken a pleasant ride through the mountains. <laughs> now, it's not, I, I, I'm just, that's just a funny story, but it's a real one. Uh, I swear to it. I swear that that was my experience. And it's because, man, God just, he is good. And he knows all things and he leads us into all things and he wants the best things for us and our lives and the people around us. Amen? So effectively, Jesus, just in your picture, I know I just said that you can get some of this verbiage wrong and that's okay. God will forgive you. But I think it's healthy to see this bigger picture. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost idea. There's this big idea of the Father that's like all things. There's this idea of Jesus, the manifested Word of God on earth, who then ascended into heaven and sat on the throne. And all things that was the big idea of the Father was given to Him under His authority, under His control. He inherited all things. All things bestowed upon the King Jesus on the throne. This Holy Spirit is this Paracletus, this paralleling uh, spirit that he can send into the earth and back and forth and back and forth and it can communicate with you and it can lead you. Now, I talk about becoming this dwelling place and, I, and I, I've been trying to create this idea that it's this bigger idea than what people are currently thinking of often. And then I tell these stories of how before you're even saved, he's leading your heart and guiding you and directing you. What's the difference? The difference is the Holy Spirit, and we'll read this more next week, but the Holy Spirit, he comes back to, in, to communicate with your spirit. We're made of what they say, body, soul, and spirit. Ecclesiastes says that you were given a spirit from heaven, everyone. 
the Holy Spirit can come and your spirit can respond to it and react to it. It's a very, uh, it's a very critical thing in how we're designed and how he gets us and leads us and directs us. That is always in place no matter who you are and where you are. The difference is, is that at some point, as Jesus promised, for those who love him, keep his commandments, follow him, walk with him, talk with him, they become the place where that paracletus can live. The dwelling place. Amen? Amen? And yes, first things first, let your spirit respond to his spirit. But don't ever lose focus of the promise of the coming covenant was to be the dwelling place. Yeah? There's a reason why it says that when this new covenant takes place and this Holy Spirit comes on earth and all of a sudden we get, uh, Peter's a great example. Peter who kind of put his foot in his mouth every chance he got in the former days of Jesus in the second wave of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit, he's this new man with this new message and he's not afraid of anything. And he's not stumbling over his words and not getting what God's doing. He just knows. And it says that they would, that, that, and history tells us that, that, that when Peter would walk, that they would drag the people out in the streets in hopes that his shadow would follow them. Now that's a man who must be a dwelling place. Yeah? Because just saying it's possible, right? We can read it. We can believe it. Yeah? So Jesus, we close out today and we just ask you, Lord, to... Lord, if we've ever not responded to your Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask you right now to forgive us. Anytime you've ever led us or guided us or pushed us to go in a direction, Lord, if we didn't do it, Lord, give us another chance. Please continue to send your paracletus, your Holy Spirit, the, the echo of your voice from the throne room. Please continue to send him with your message. Your message full of grace. The grace that would empower us to walk out the message, Lord Jesus. Let us not always have to hear it from a messenger on this earth. Let us hear it directly from you, Lord. We just give you our hearts, Lord. We want to be humble and supple before you, Lord. Forgive us for getting in front of you. Forgive us for having desires that didn't come from you, Lord. Let us not walk in shame and guilt from these missteps, but let us ask for forgiveness. Let us, let us give us the grace to repent and turn from these ideas and then walk in your leading, walk in your Holy Spirit empowerment, walk in the necessity, the absolute command that you gave us that we have to recognize him. We cannot blaspheme this Holy Spirit that's in our heart because that is how you would receive us to yourself. The idea that you existed one time doesn't appear to be enough in this new covenant. The idea that you would come to us in this form and we would respond to you and never blaspheme you. We would never resist you. We would just follow you. And it says in those days that you would be our God and we would be your people, Lord. Let us be those people. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit on this earth. We thank you, Lord, for that great day of Pentecost where you permeated this earth once and for all. In your name, Jesus, today we pray, we gather, we fellowship, we live under your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So if uh, we're just a, we're a little bit uh, early, 15 minutes to 12 here, so we get the kids, let's keep them quiet until 12, you know the drill. Um, if anybody needs prayer for anything right now or this week, please just let us know. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments about anything, Please just let us know. We'll do we'll do what we do. Amen. Amen.
Y'all have fun. Maybe everybody should go home and take a nap after lunch. Y'all look sleepy. Y'all had ate too much turkey. <laughs>